0: Welcome to Rap Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, Put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. These are their stories. And welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm and B. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are getting into Notorious B.I.G.'s debut album, released in 1994. Um, September 13th, 1994, which is very eerie, right, when you think about it? Yeah. Um, that's, that's the day that Tupac passed away. Um, he, he of course passed away in 96, but yeah, that was the anniversary date. You could say, mm-hmm. um, ready. That was the only album that Biggie released in um, in his lifespan life after death came, you know, after he passed after in 97 up. in March of 97. Um, this album came out 94 and it was, of course, Diddy had his hands all in this album. Um, this all in the video, all in the videos. Um, and this was Biggie's big coming out party. You know, you you had the lead single, Juicy, which is like a hip hop staple at this point. I always actually say that Juicy is one of those hip hop songs that um, one of those songs, period, that I could go the rest of my life without hearing again because I've heard it so much.
1: Yeah, it's one of those songs that, like, you know the words and you're not even trying. You you didn't try to know it. Yeah. It's infectious. It's three,
0: I, yeah. it's three songs like that for me. It's, it's Juicy. Poison, and Can We Talk, Tevin Campbell. I don't need to hear those songs no more. I agree. Those three songs, yeah. It's done. You go to every throwback party, they throw throw on one of those. Um, But anyway, so this album, um, how do you feel about this album? How did you feel about, well, I was going to say, how did you feel about Biggie? But, I mean, we all know. He's my favorite rapper of all time.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh so I'll take you back. So um the first time I ever heard this album, um, my bully, his name is his name is Larry. Shout out to Larry, we cool now. Um so I didn't my, know you
0: had a bully. Yeah, right. I had
1: a bully when I was a kid, his name was Larry. So he played it and I remember Gimme the Loop was the first song that he ever played for me. Mm. And when I heard it, I thought it was two people on the song. Mm. I didn't realize it was Biggie, like that going back and forth like by himself. So I just assumed like, oh, the one with the higher pitched voice is Lil C's, mm-hmm. of course. Is what, And then when I heard Lil C's talk, I was like, he doesn't sound like mm-hmm. the guy in the song. And then, um, because, you know, like, Ready to Die was a very graphic album. Mm-hmm. So, you dark, know. Yeah, very and, dark and very dark. So there were certain projects that my mom at that time, so let's say, uh, Ready to Die came out in 94.
0: Yep.
1: So in 94, I was eight. Um, you know, so that was something that, like, uh, I had to, like, sneak and listen to when I was eight years old. And... It was funny because around that time, like, um, Big L and Nas also had, like, like verses that, like, when you heard them, like, you know, um, that were very dark. So I think Biggie had a, ver- no, Nas had a verse, when I was 12, I went to hell, no, when I was 12, I went to hell for of Jesus. Mm. So it was like, oh, these rap, like, they had, like, these shocking verses. And like I would hear them because like you know the kids that were older you know trying to hang out with the, the kids that were teenagers they were listening to this yeah so like this album was just like prominent because all you heard about was Biggie and like Bad Boy because Puff's, Bad Boy's promo team was so good like when I tell you like good bro like they were ready to die posters. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go anywhere in New York City and not see a ready-to-die poster and see that baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, damn. Like, you know, like that. Like, like the pro- the, pro- the promo was so good. And what I just remember is is that that entire summer, like, just seeing, seeing the bad boy trucks and seeing the bad boy t-shirts everywhere. Every event. My mom was young at that time. She was in her 20s. So every event she went to, she would come home. It was some puff daddy having some event. Bad boy having some event. So, you know, I just, like, remember, like, those are, like, my early memories of it. And then what also then as an adult, I have a second when I listened to the album and understood what was going on, because I lived with life after death more than I lived with Ready to Die, like, understanding what was going on. Yeah. And when I got to that point where, like, I understood Ready to Die, I was like, yo, like, this album was a cry for help. Like, Mm -hmm. Biggie was, like, suffering from depression, because mind you, he started recording this album when he was 21. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and he finished it when he was 22, so it, it was over. Well, Cause it, there's an act one and an act two, and we'll get into that part of the album. But I just remember, like, damn, like this dude was going through a lot, and like obviously, like mental health and depression wasn't the thing that was talked about. But if you listen to this album, like he was definitely dealing with all. That. He was paranoid. He thought his mom was going to die from cancer. He didn't know if he was going to be able to feed his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like he got the deal, then they lost the deal at at uh no they. They had a deal at like Uptown Records, and they lost the deal. So then he started hustling again. His friends are dying. People are getting killed around him. He's selling drugs, like all these things. Like it wasn't, you know, young in a young kid's mind. You don't think about it, but you listen to this album. Like he was pretty much like literally writing his death note. Yeah, yeah. So and when I got older, I realized that, and I was like, oh shit, like this. And and then he still had a sense of
0: humor about it. Mm-hmm. So clever. It was really really dark. Um, I think for me you know a lot of the albums from like the early 90s i had to go back to because from 92 to 95 i was in cameroon so like when this came out i hadn't i have no re- recollection of this album dropping okay. like in that time frame and we're the same age so like mm-hmm. you know if i was if i was on, in the states then obviously like i would have had time frame with mm-hmm. this album but when i came back We were going into '96. Well, when when I came back, it was all about death row. Right. So like it was death row. I knew about Biggie, but it was like kind of just here and there. Like Mm -hmm. he still had big singles, but it wasn't until like and it's crazy because like his ties to Detroit are huge. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't until like '96. I mean '97 rather that like when Life After Death came out that I was like all about Biggie. And and um and Pac and like the East Coast West Coast thing was like really prominent and big, but at this time frame, I was still in Cameroon. So like it and right. it's not till conversations get, yeah. it's not till conversations come up like this that I'm just like oh shit like I I really wasn't even here for that mm-hmm. um for that ninety four frame and shit L and um Tribe and right. all the early shit that was really prominent like I didn't really know about Tribe until Wayans Brothers because Electric Relaxation. Mm-hmm was the theme song for wayans brothers so like shit like that that i have to think about but then when i go back to this album and it's like you said like i saw like a lot of growth even when you're listening to the album you can see growth like in Mm -hmm. the actual album Mm -hmm. and like artists do that between albums and on the same album he had growth and like he he got nicer as a lyricist within the frame of one album Mm -hmm. And I have never seen that before. Like everybody else has just been like a package deal of like the framework of that album. And it's just like, all right, well, let me see where he goes next. Mm -hmm. And you got a chance to see where Biggie went next in the same frame.
1: Yeah. Um, If we're. All right. So another thing like that, I'll tell you. So. You can li- you can hear it, and, and there's three songs where you can hear it, where like there's like there's a, like because his voice is like more high pitched and yeah. he's more like so it's 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 uh give me the loot, mm-hmm. things done changed yeah. and ready to die, like the, yeah. the tones are darker. Mm-hmm. Um You could tell like he's like he's not comfortable in his own skin, right? Mm-hmm. He's like and like he like he he wants to be more grimy, so you could tell all right, this is lumberjack hockey jersey, yeah, bandana around the head, biggie, right, mm-hmm. and. The funny thing is is like well I think a lot of people know the story like I or if you've seen the movie like you know he, Puff lost his, his he got fired from working at Uptown Records mm-hmm. and then he went and got and, and Biggie was like all right so you know he went and down it's south. back to the street yeah, yeah, yeah back to the street because you know he didn't believe it anyway like mm-hmm. they said like Biggie was like a non awesome person and, and Puff had to like beg him to come back and it was like I guess it was a grace of God thing because like you know the people he was fucking with they got they got locked up mm-hmm. so you know um then he comes back and like you know like Puff has some money for him because he got the deal of Arista. So then Biggie was able to get you know nicer clothes, you know buy some things, get a nice crib, you know, and like that's how like we were able to get the the more pop pop the more pop records and the and the samples yeah. and things like that because um this album is a very like gritty album and yeah. uh, I want to get into the I want to get into Easy Mo B, um, okay into his production mm-hmm. and. Why do you think Easy Mo B isn't, like, hailed?
0: I don't think... I think Easy Mo B had his... Uh, his frame... Like, that time frame was very specific. So, like, I don't think it carried over into the 2000s. It just like, not fair like a lot of like like He worked like with Pop people. and
1: Biggie early.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, believe, I believe that Biggie worked with him because he worked with Pop. Yeah. And...
0: I think so, it too. It just is
1: weird to me that, like... You know, you have a lot of these, but like, so all right, I'm not obviously he's not primo, but like, Easy Mo B worked on two of the the, the biggest art artist, rap artists ever, their debut projects, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like when you see Easy, you can see Easy Mo B like down the street, and I know like it's still things that he does, but like I just don't understand it, like why isn't he praised? And the only thing somebody told me was is that like it was just bad business.
0: A lot of people feel that way about DJ Quick. DJ Quick doesn't get the praise. He doesn't. It's DJ Quick. And also, who definitely doesn't get mentioned is Daz. Right. Well, I'll say this much. Daz
1: and DJ Quick absolutely get more recognition than Easy Mo does. Yeah. Like, I feel like people know who they are. There are some people who have no fucking clue who Easy Mo is. You know, I had a homeboy um, that I had to argue down. I was like, DJ Premier only did one track on it. He did Unbelievable. Mm-hmm he thought the, he thought Premier did the entire ready to die oh that's crazy i was like i was like let me tell you something i was like primo was already known as like a god if primo did the entire ready to die he would be on dr dre levels as far like and i I think he already oh, yeah. is so let me let me correct that but like the way they talk about dr dre doing doggy style is how they would talk about primo doing that album like
0: this every fucking sentence would be about that yeah easy Moby has like wait, how many credits on here? One, two, three, four, five. Is it? Isn't it like eleven? Six. Six. Yeah, six. Uh, producer credits on this album.
1: Son. Yeah. Like that's that's incredible to me, and I just think like like I said that it it's something something ain't right. Like um, and I'm pretty sure there's an interview where like
0: it's spoken about more addressed. Easy Moby, Dame Grease. Yeah. These are yeah like these those. Are, yeah. These are producers that yeah. They don't get they don't get the love that they deserve. Yeah, um, bink, bink, yeah. bink will tell you though. Bink will <laughs> bink will tell you. Bink will tell yeah. you that you're sleeping on him and don't let devil in the new dress come up. And oh, he will argue gosh. you into a corner. Yeah. Um, shout well, out to shit. bink. I, I mean shit. Bink. Pete Rock. Yeah.
1: Pete Rock has like a huge problem with that. Actually, there's a what, there's a uh, Pete Rock says that Puffy stole Juicy from him.
0: Interesting. Interesting. He said
1: that Puffy heard him like looping it and like Puff like went to the hitman and told them like the idea and they did it and like Pete Rock till this day like talks about that. That's, I can believe that. And and like you know, like this is that's like the second, like you gotta think about it, like that, like 94 was just a rough year for Pete Rock because like he says he still hasn't gotten paid for Elmatic
0: <laughs> Yeah, I was I was almost convinced when um when Nas mentioned him on um King's Disease 3. That he will write like a paragraph on Instagram or something, but he didn't say anything. Wow, I, I was almost convinced that that nigga will come out the woodwork and say something. But I'm shocked that he hasn't. Yeah, it's not too late. Yeah, yeah, Something's
1: something coming. I think I think yeah. we get that, that another King disease is coming. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, enough,
0: nigga, enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, you bring up a good point with Easy Moby. I I didn't realize actually how many tracks he had on here. Yeah. Um, but even speaking to the tracks on here uh you mentioned give me the loop and how brilliant that is and also warning like you listen to these songs and for me i get into how good we we all know how great biggie was as a storyteller but like i feel like his law lo- his lost cause or something that he could have gotten into was like screenplay writing oh my god that's why he's called the rob Al- alfred hitchcock yeah
1: like he um like uh do you watch the Matt papa podcast yeah, yeah, I watched. So, so, did you see the episode with Styles P where they was talking about um uh, on niggas bleed and he and he has a character um Arizona Ron. No, I didn't.
0: Niggas I bleed. didn't see him talking about so
1: that. So the character Arizona Ron, like they're like, yo, that's like the way that he like you got to think about it. He did that in eight bars. He described this character Arizona Ron, Ron, and and like uh, basically he's a hitman, mm-hmm. and it was like, yo, like he basically just gave you like a hitman's movie that would be fire. Like like uh, like and like they was like rapping the lyrics and I was like, yo, like Biggie's really nice. And and especially with like with warning. Like the way he's telling the story. Like yeah. I didn't say them. It's the niggas that you knew from back when, when like
0: when like you was getting minor figures. Minor figures. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: now they heard you blowing up like Nitro. Like I'm just like yeah, the way he's telling the story is like, yo, that, that is ha- that. I've seen stuff like that happen in a barbershop. Like, yo, like, yo, I heard niggas talking about getting at you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. And then, yeah. like, niggas is just telling you the story, like, nah, not him. This nigga. Yeah. He heard you getting money now. Even and like, he yeah. just came home and niggas go- gonna press you.
0: Even like his way of breaking down, like, something as simple as just the coming of age stories. Cause everybody loves coming of age stories. Yeah. So you listen to a song like Sky's the Limit um my ninth grade teacher actually played that for us just to give us an example of storytelling wow so he played that yeah mr claus oh, you had you had a young teacher yeah ninth grade mr clausy shout out to mr clausy so um he played that and he would like pause it just to be like yo do you understand what he's saying here like a nigga never been as broke as me i like that he didn't drop the N word right okay but he would he would play it and be like yo like yeah, I hear that. Or what do you take from that? What's take takeaway from this? Now he's wearing Lacoste, and he's like, he—that's dope. Down. That's yeah. dope that your
1: teacher did that. He I, I would love that. Loved shit,
0: it. That shit was really cool, and it made me like look at Biggie as like the almighty storyteller that he was. Like, just it was just different. Um, But getting back into the fold of this album, the intro, mm-hmm. intro is amazing on this album. Yeah, no, people don't talk a, about this intro enough.
1: The intro is like a movie preview.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. from, from the baby being born, to what they go through, to what they're about to get into. Like, it's a three-part yeah. act. Like, mm-hmm. it's incredible.
1: I agree. Um, I, well, before we get into the album, I wanted to talk about this. Do you know what albums came out that year? 94. Um, what we got? I got them for you. Hold on one second. Where the fuck did I write them at? You know me. So, mm-hmm. Of besides, um, okay, course. I got it right. So, mm-hmm. Scarface Diary, Gangstar's Hard to Earn, UGK's um, Super Tight, Tupac's Thug Life, The Brat's Functified, mm. Pete Rock and CL, Sm- CL Smooth's The Main Ingredient, Warren G's Regulate, Method Man's Tacal, Outcast Southern Play, a list of Cadillac music, Red Man There Is a Dark Side, mm. and The Source Only Gave. Ready to die four and a half mics. Shout out to Miss Info mm. that year. Um, and he lost to Coolio. Oh, and Coolio um, put out Gangsta's Paradise. And at the Grammys, he lost to Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise for Best Rap, album, best rap Song.
0: Interesting. I know, I know at the, I think it was the Grammys um, that he, he lost to LL Cool J. For Hey Lover to Big Papa lost to um, yeah. Hey Lover
1: mm-hmm. and Big Hop Papa lost to Hey Lover yeah. like and like he he cleaned up at the Source Awards like he cleaned up at Source Awards and like you know Bob and all that shit but um, I think Gangsta's Paradise was the best rap album that year though. I mean best rap song best rap year. song I do think Gangsta's it's a great Paradise, song yeah it was a crossover song like, I think like he like I know I just think that uh, you know what Coolio did with that song like I, I, I get why the they, I think they got it right. I know Biggie was Biggie, but Gangsta's Paradise, like, no. mm-hmm. like it, sometimes you just gotta you just gotta give it up. But you know, with those albums and the competition and everything like that, like, and it's funny because Elmatic came out that April, right? So Elmatic, like, it was already a build up. Elmatic was bootlegged, and then we got Ready to Die that fall,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So like, basically, like Biggie had his singles out that summer, but like you know, everybody had Elmatic that whole summer, yeah, right and then ready to die drop right after that and it didn't really pick up until later when the remixes came out but i just thought that that was like really really interesting to uh to think about because when i when i think back and like when i think about it i'm like yo el Maddie came out and it had, and it had its time right yeah yeah but then <sighs> Peep this, it really makes me think, oh shit, you're on the top with short like leprechauns <laughs> as I crush so called willies, Thugs, thugs and Rabbit Like, he's like, yeah, motherfucker, you came out in April, I came out in September, mm-hmm. motherfucker, and then I'm crowned the king of New York. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like,
1: yeah. that's how long you're like, you're, you don't even get a year run, bruh. It's
0: that rap phenomenon, Don yeah. Dada.
1: Bro, that was, that's, you know how, <laughs> Vicky's a
0: dick. Yeah. Yeah, Biggie took that. Biggie took that. Um, that subliminal dish shit to another yeah, level. Like he really, he really made it art. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry, I'm sorry. Watches, I just had to like bring that all the way around, full circle, just to let you know. Like, Illmatic came out and was it was hailed the greatest rap album of all time. Like he broke the mold, right? And mm-hmm. then Biggie's Ready to Die comes out and vibe, and all of these other like publications like crown him the king of New York, like yeah, yeah. out the gate, and, and like him and Nas are like kids. Because Nas is like 18, 19. He's not even legal to, yeah. to drink yet. Biggie's 21. And then it's, it's just that's it. But yes, let's let's uh let's get it. Like, yeah, I I, I had no, I just wanted to get all my notes off about that. <laughs> like, you know, I take my little notes and everything yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that. So
0: Um All right, so even so moving out of the intro, mm-hmm. you get into a song as big as Things Done Changed, which is like which is you can still see the growth from, right? Because we mentioned, I think you mentioned this already, as like being really heavy, you know, stealing mm-hmm. on his mom's purse, um, talking about where his life was at that time, talking about what he was looking to get into, but still being pulled back. I think Things Unchanged is a very big way to start this album off, especially yeah. going into Gimme the Loop.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like Things Unchanged to me was kind of like, Biggie kind of like letting everyone know like yo I know all of that shit before was Mm -hmm. the norm but like nah this is how it is now this is what it's like on the streets and I think that was like also kind of like something that like he had to like express to his mom like, yo, my shit ain't the same. I know you come home, you go straight, you go straight upstairs, and everything like that. But like, no, motherfuckers is robbing people, mm-hmm. niggas is snatching purses, mm-hmm. like niggas is going for theirs to get to do what they gotta do to put food on the table. Like, motherfuckers ain't getting no jobs. Like, you know what I am saying? We don't got our fathers at home because all our fathers left to go get cigarettes and never came back. Mm-hmm. And this is how we fucking figuring it out. Like, this is and it is what it is. Like, I really think like, you know, like he was just like letting it be known like this is what the fuck is happening outside
0: absolutely and i think um and it's just this gritty feel man and it just takes you into give yeah. me the loot which is what you get into after shit done change you right. know um so give me the loot with the two character positions man
1: think about that like the you got to think like that was, and that was an old to slick right
0: okay i didn't know that as a to be a fact mm-hmm. but i definitely saw that
1: yeah Okay. It was a old like Slick Rick and Big Daddy came with like two of his favorite rappers and Rakim. Mm-hmm. So him like doing that, like he just did it in his own way. Like you know, like Slick Rick did it, like you know, Slick Rick the Ruler and and DJ Ricky D. But like Biggie was like, nah, I'm gonna make these two characters, and it's like I got his Biggie and his Little Man. Mm-hmm. And I just think like that's like what made him such like a prolific fucking like writer, like to just think in like the uh, like a like for another person, and I think that's what also made him a- be able to like write rhymes for little C's and little kim and other artists
0: yeah um what was my man's name from um from house party he sounded like the other voice sounded like him oh uh, man i know you're talking about from the man. rap group
1: kick his fucking ass. yeah he sounded like yeah, him. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah 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 he sounded just like him i know you're his. talking about i wonder if that was like so- <laughs> because i mean this was 94 that was 92 so yeah it's probably probably but, um, but yeah, the storytelling on this, and that's the thing with Big, like, and compared to, like, storytellers like Lupe. Like, you'll get a storyteller like Lupe where you got to decipher some shit or it'll take you a while and you'll listen to it with a different set of ears. Mm-hmm. But with Biggie, it's very, like, it's very straightforward, but there's still great wordplay. Yeah. It's, it's, it tells a complete story that you can listen to and you can decipher in the moment.
1: To me, Biggie has a a, the brain of a teacher, and when I say that, like he can he can make people he can make anybody understand things and break it down to like a a a very simple science. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think that some people like have there's some people who have a lot of knowledge and they can't teach you things. They know a lot of stuff, but they can't teach you. And I think with Biggie, I think Biggie probably could have been like an amazing like music teacher. Like like anything that he wanted to do, he could have did. Like when we find out like, his background and his education and everything like that. Like, he he was able to, like, make the, the hardest things just seem simple. And I think that's also, like, why he... Um, so, like, you know, the mythology with him, like, not writing. Mm-hmm. They said when he... When, they said before they lost the Uptown Dale, he did write. But they said when he started hustling and he had to, like, start, like, memorizing shit because, like, he didn't have time to write shit down on paper. Same story with Jay-Z, right? Mm-hmm. Similar... They said that he just, like, he he became so arrogant and cocky, like, he would just be kicking freestyles, but, like, crafting songs in his in his mind, and just, he was just, like, a savant. Like, think about it. Like, you got this big, fat dude that smokes weed all day long,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, snores when he's standing up and shit, and, like, he's able to, like, fucking, like, just go ahead and, like, rap some of, like, the illest shit ever, and reference back something that, like, he saw on TV or a conversation that he had. Like, mm-hmm. that was also, like, impressive, too, like... He, it's a fucking yeah. chamber. Like yeah.
0: you're you just storing shit.
1: Compart- like he was able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. all the different things that he was doing and just be able to like put it into bars and then like really break it down like a story. Cause um there's also there's a technique that he had and like um Puff and Pharrell kind of like utilizes both. Where like when you're rapping, like don't rap about the same things. So like the first, the first so the, the the first eight bars is about uh, going to the store, and then the next eight bars is like a completely different story. Mm-hmm. And like Puff always kind of like tells rappers to do that to like keep people like intrigued. And like I just think like that's kind of like dope. I forgot I forgot who Puff worked with that he told to do that, and it worked. But somebody was telling that story. I, I think it, I think it was on um, um, Styles that okay. I, like talked about it. Where like. If you listen to some of Biggie's songs, like, yes, like, some of them, like, cohesive, but there's some of them, like, he, like, he just flips, like, the, the topic. Like, yeah, Like, yeah. out of nowhere. And I was just like, I wonder, mm-hmm. like, like, they didn't say, like, exactly why, but they just said, like, it works. Because mm-hmm. it keeps your attention because you, like, trying to figure it out. And it's just like, oh, wait, another yeah, story. Like, like,
0: another story. Mm-hmm. It just goes into another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. um I think a song like Machine Gun Funk... um. That comes into this album after "Give Me the Loop. That's another thing that doesn't get talked about on this album enough is the sequencing. Mm-hmm. The sequencing is so fucking good. Yeah. Um, Machine Gun Funk is produced by Easy Moby. Yeah. So,
1: all right. So let me just get this out of the way. Every song in this album is magnificent, but there are certain songs I uh, I just have to like. Sometimes I have to like stop. I have to take a break.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Machine Gun Funk, I just don't like. It's not Biggie's rapping. It's is more so the hook. Mm-hmm. I don't like it
0: yeah it just kills me yeah machine gun funk i fuck with machine gun funk i see i see what you mean though about the chorus yeah i just don't like
1: the chorus that's all yeah
0: but i fuck with it and then um warning of course warning should have been a short film yeah i mean you kind of you kind of get a little bit of that in the video but man
1: i just like i like that the end Oh, Ooh, the red dot? Yeah, this is at Bicky Small's house.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got one
1: in your head too. You got oh, one in your head. Shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, warning is so graphic. It's so fucking good. He tells a full, complete story. Um, was this ever adapted adapted on um on Gotti show on B E T? Remember how he would take Oh yeah, Rap Tales. Uh yeah. I believe so. It probably was. I, I didn't so. I didn't really watch it that much. But I didn't either because I used yeah, to like the idea. Fuck yeah, yeah, I like the idea, but yeah. Um this is such an easy layup for something, for some content like that. hmm Um what do you think about what we gonna so, say?
1: I wanted to say this. so there's certain there's certain songs that I, I love, but I I it's funny because because I was eight years old. I heard the remixes before I heard the album version okay. properly. So what one like, more chance? So um, I want to talk about me and my bitch the live version. Okay. So it's funny. So when when I was a kid, obviously I'm eight years old. I don't know how to process the album properly. So like I said, my bully Larry would play you know tracks from the album, whatever like that. He was my bully, so I had to listen to what the fuck he listened to, right? But I remember I saw the um, the movie, the show. Yeah. And he performed and Biggie performed me and my bitch. And I was mesmerized. Right? Because I'm just like, yo, like this, like he was so smooth, like seeing him perform and like, you know, I, I, all I do is hear about it. So I'm like, oh, this is how he performs live. And I just thought it was so dope. Mind you, the the bar where he says so good. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a Richard Pryor, it's a Richard Pryor joke, guys. Biggie didn't play the pause game, sorry. But I I, I know like up. that's something <laughs> he should have. Yeah. A lot yeah. But uh that I just like his cadence and like the confidence that he had of that. So I and like, you know, I think like that song was like the predecessor to like Tupac's me and my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and Jay's, you know, me and my girlfriend. And then mm-hmm. I believe who else had somebody else had a, a you know, a, I mean, you know, there's other rappers who had like songs that was like similar, like so. This song was like the evil version of "You're All I Need" by Method Man, and that song was going off.
0: Yeah, that I actually just read an article um, the other day from um, shit. Is it Justin Tinsley? I want to say. I'm sorry if I'm getting your name wrong, but I'm it was a about, great article. Well,
1: yeah, that, isn't he the one who just wrote Biggie's new book?
0: That that's him. Yeah, yeah. but he just wrote he just wrote an article for. Um, about the woman that had something to do with um, that that's the one that pushed to all I need with okay. messing with messing and, um and, yeah. and Mary. Okay, because originally it was, they wanted Lauren Hill. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's the one that wanted Lauren Hill because she was friends with Lauren. Okay, and she didn't have a relationship with Mary, but was like Mary would actually sound really good on this. I just don't have a relationship with her. Okay. so if you guys can like put it together, whatever. But she's the one that actually pushed for that. Okay, and then that kind of just snowballed into like. Those type of tracks, like okay. being as big as they are. So, did you know? Um, so I already knew this, but then like I just
1: recently saw it on the Wu Tang um series. So, um, Def, like Method Man's album was doing great, and then they need they needed a remix for All I Need. Mm-hmm. So, at first, they were asking Rizza to do another version of yeah. it, and Rizza was like, Yo, I don't want to. And they were like, Yo, we thought like you only produced, like, you know, nobody did the Wu members don't work with the other producers. And he was like, I'm fucking exhausted. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to work with everybody. So, like, his brother was like, all right, I'm I'm going to go get Puffy <laughs> to remix this. Like, mm-hmm. he's killing right now. And he's like, yo, I don't care. Do it. And Devon is like, you sure? And then Puffy does his version, and it's fucking out of here, right? Mm-hmm. So then I guess, like, uh, like, as a trade-off, like, Puffy was like, yo, I did you a favor. I need that favor back. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got the what? got you because method man was like out of here like he was they was like yo he's LL Cool J with like street cred like mm-hmm. you know that's how like they looked at it and you know dev jam was pushing that man to the to the to the sun yeah. and him getting on biggie's album and being the only feature on biggie's album was in like that to me that spoke to how big method man was at that time and i think that um because like he with his music output like it slowed down as time as he like became like a bigger star. But I don't think people re- realize how hot of an artist he was in 1994. Yeah. And like, and I think that's because, like, because, you know, like that album lineup that came out. And isn't that strong mm-hmm. like the debut album. He
0: doesn't, that's the thing. That's probably why. Because he doesn't have a strong album. Even Takal 2000, the prequel, wasn't very good. Um, to Cal Judgment Day. Yeah. Is what it, with yeah, that, judgment, what that album? Yeah, was I, remember cool. I bought that album. I bought that too. Yeah, and um and it wasn't it just wasn't that good. Method Man has always been incredible when right. he's on a feature. Whatever you want to listen to him, you want to give him a shot. Um, uh, but back to that story though. As far as like um her name was Drew Dixon by the way. Okay. Because remember that for the record, I think it, it that documentary okay. it was called where she she was out in Russell Simmons. Okay. But she's the one that um that pushed forward to all I need. And she's the one that took it to Puff because originally, like you said, it was just the interlude. But she was like, yo, this needs to be a song. And she's the one that took it to Puff and she sent it to him. And then he was like, yo, we can make this work. So I think so it kind of sort of went that way, like how um, Wu-Tang thing is doing. Mm-hmm. And I really need to watch that fucking show.
1: Yeah, man.
0: Um, cool. but, but yeah, it's kind of along those lines.
1: Yeah. So do you think that Method Man got Biggie on the what? Yes. Okay. I just think make, so. Yeah, just making sure. Nah. I feel. Yeah. And I feel like. I feel like uh like, it and was Biggie. just one of those things like where like it, like Method Man was just like at like his like height and but other there's been other times where he's been on other Wu songs where he like outrapped everybody and everything like that. I just feel like he like that was. I feel like Biggie can get dark, but I just know that like the the Wu Tang guys like they just.
0: They live there. Yeah,
1: they live there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They live in that. Yeah, I feel like ground. I feel like
1: Biggie. I feel like that. Like Biggie was eating a little too good. He was starting to wear a little mm-hmm. too much silk.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, the what is incredible because they they both delivered. Like none of them, they didn't slack. Yeah. And I and I heard about the writing price process for that too, mm-hmm. where um, where Biggie would like write some shit over, you know, quote unquote, right? Because we know. Mm-hmm. But he would like do things over when he would hear meth come on there, mm-hmm. and they kind of had that that competition brewing.
1: Going, um, back, and forth, smoking yeah, going back and forth, yeah. Going back and forth, uh, yeah. And there's there's a story about like I think like meth smoke like uh it, it, like he like out smoked Biggie. Oh, word. Yeah, because like you know like they was they would you know they were smoking butt nakeds, as, uh, as it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: just gonna say like how good was weed in '94 anyway.
1: Well, uh back in ninety four, like there was it was this place it was a spot called Branson mm-hmm. that was like I guess like supposedly like getting weed from like, you know, California and other places or whatever like that. So mm-hmm. apparently like like I mean, Nori talks about it all the time, like weed from Branson, like and Biggie always references that place. But apparently, that weed was like some of the best weed ever that that they had before. Like they was going to the West Coast and shit like That's that. That's crazy. But, but I, I, I'm with you. Like, how good was the weed? Yeah.
0: Like, but like, now that now that weed is a business. Yeah. And um and people make money off weed. Some would probably say it's not as good as it probably was. Right. But I don't
1: know. Yeah, but I mean, you know that that was before the technology we got, so maybe that was the strongest weed, the smokest dope they ever smoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At that there, time. there was no
0: way to differentiate what they were yeah. smoking back then. It was just like, yo, you got weed roll it. Like mm-hmm. it just was what it was. Yeah, I
1: just know, I just know that Branson was a big deal back then. Like that was talked about a lot. It's
0: interesting. This also made me realize I don't think has Method Man ever done a podcast,
1: a podcast interview.
0: Yeah, that would be kind of cool. That'd he be did really well. I mean, cool. he didn't. Well, math
1: out. That, that's not a podcast. Well, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah he, he, did math out. Oh
0: yeah, he did because that's when he he apologized to Beyonce. Yeah, he apologized yeah, yeah, to Destiny's Show. Yeah, Destiny Child. Yep. yeah, okay, yeah. I wonder how that would be with him on Drink Champs because I don't think he would drink. I think he would just be focused and just give good stories.
1: That's true. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of shows that I think that outlets he can go. On. I wish I wish. I don't think he did Combat Jack back in the day, but, mm. but yeah, I think, I oh, think no, somebody with nice. like good questions like that, like will work, but yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Um, so as far as, I mean, you did say this album is, is incredible, mm-hmm. but are there any blemishes if you had to pick besides Machine Gun Funk? Um, that, any
1: blemishes? Yeah.
0: Anything on the album that you're like, ah.
1: It's not a blemish, but it's just that like one more chance I would just prefer the remix.
0: Yeah, I prefer the remix, but it, you're right. It's not a blemish.
1: Yeah, like... It's not a blemish. It's not... Like, yeah, like, it's it's just... Yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I skipped Friend of Mine because sometimes the hook, I just don't care about <laughs> it. It's like... Like, that, that's the thing. So, it's not... It's not even like Biggie's raps. Like some of them, like the hook choices or whatever like that, are just very dated. Mm-hmm. So I don't like that. But like this rap album, like as far as like a debut, as far as like Biggie having like time to like craft and work on this album, like think about it. Like he got to do this album in two acts. So like there's two, like there's two sides to this album, and you can see, like you can you hear him grow in the album. Usually, like we get like the album is like the the, the whole story. Done, but like for this album, like the story was still going as it was being made, mm-hmm. and he got time off and then got to come back to it. Like think about it, most artists don't get that time.
0: Yeah, and, and he went back. Yeah, and, yeah,
1: and Biggie didn't give a fuck enough to like where like he was like yo fuck it like it's over. I don't believe this shit. Yeah, like, he
0: only that's that's why we don't get that much Biggie content. I'm I'm surprised they were able to stretch as much Biggie content as they did because he very much believed in just rapping for money yeah he didn't rap for the art of it he mm-hmm. rapped because he was nice and because he saw the money yeah and that was it whereas with Pac like he was you know he he really loved that shit right so he slept in the studio so
1: another thing who and just playing one originally on the album right yeah yeah um but we gotta talk about who mm-hmm. so who you, the beat was originally supposed to be the interlude on Mary J Blige's my life album okay and what happened is obviously they was like, yo, number one, Biggie went way too long. Mm-hmm. Number two, they were like, we cannot put this on an R&B album. And then number three, like, it's called Who You. Like they were just like, yo, this this is not what we wanted you to do because like on, on Mary's albums, they would have rap like they have rappers like rapping on the interlude because mm-hmm. they were saying hip hop soul. Yeah, they were like doing yeah. that. And they was just like, All right, you know what, Biggie, like <laughs> you just do what you want with this shit. And like, it went around like this, this tape did his rounds and like Biggie will always do shit. Like just give D like DJ enough was one of his, like what was a DJ that worked with him? Big cat was a DJ that worked with him. And obviously Mr. C's DJ who discover yeah. it. They said that Biggie would just give niggas like copies of like his cassettes. Mm-hmm. So imagine, <laughs> imagine like, you know, like puff hair on the radio. And it's like, how the like, fuck bro. did you get this? Like, yeah. are you bootlegging me and shit like that? And there's like Biggie personally gave this to me and said, do whatever the fuck you want with it.
0: You think, you think, um, you think Puff was probably triggered by by when Drake what Drake did with zero to one hundred. Hell yeah. Hell that's yes. why he
1: slapped him Yeah, that's why he slapped him up. Like, there's <laughs> like, like I get I I get really bored, ladies and gentlemen, and like I go down wormholes. And apparently, like there's like a whole content um from this uh Because like Puffy has a former bodyguard, his name is Gene Deal, and for some reason all he does is give interviews talking about how much he hates Puffy and telling stories of like Puffy and Big, and it's some of the best. It's some of the best shit ever, and it's like he just always yo he just he just and it's like you know he not like because he was there. Mm -hmm. I just think it's hilarious. Like I'm like yo. This has to be like his 10th interview. And then, like, in interview, he'd be like, You got to get it in the book. And it's like, Yeah, my nigga, how? Like, what is left? <laughs> he got some shit. Yo, bro, it's bad, funny to me. He got some shit. Like, no, him, I know like, about him, him like, telling stories and stuff like that. Like, and I watch and I ain't gonna lie. I ain't, I ain't talking shit because I watch it every time. Like, every interview he got, I'm gonna watch that shit. But it's just funny to me. That he has so much information and just never stops,
0: right? Yeah, he pops up on TikTok sometimes oh, and I, goodness, see, I see a bunch of his it's shit. It's funny, but
1: okay. So back to who shot you, right? So, you know, they, they get him to stop that. So that's why like everybody's like, yo, when Pac got shot, like they, there's an interview where Pac is like, that song don't gotta be about me, but the the timing of that is horrible. And yeah. like, if he just gonna keep that out, like I'm taking that as disrespect. Mm-hmm. And Biggie's and and like it's just funny because you have um, there's a story that Biggs tells um, from Rockefeller where like he he had a copy of it and he let Jay hear it and and he said that like Jay just listened to it and like in the car in the car over, uh, and, over story, and over and over again and like Biggs was laughing like yo you can't fuck with him. Mm-hmm. You can't fuck with Biggie. That that kid is nice. Because he's younger than Jay. He's yeah. like, yo, he's younger than you, and he's nice. Like, you can't fuck with him. And, like, that's, like, when Jay, like, really started, like, locking in and, like, yo, all right, this is, like, what I got to do on this project. But oh, for reasons reasonable doubt. But I, I think that's I think that's just incredible, like, to think, like, that this song calls all that contrary, that this song might have, like, been the fuel that, like, you know, Jay-Z needed
0: to mm-hmm. be who he is. Because it was, like, yo, like, but you can't maybe... fuck with him. Biggie a messy nigga, though, for this song. Even if it wasn't... it Like, you can see... I can completely see... Because there's been a lot of times when Tupac just comes off as very irrational. But in this instance, I can completely see him having a problem with this or the reason why he would have a problem with this. Like, the nigga just got shot, and then you hear a song like this come out. No matter when he recorded it, the timing of it was just crazy.
1: I mean... He ain't go crazy at Tupac. I mean, at, at LL. Who? Um, Tupac.
0: Oh, when he came out with Ashasha? Yeah. Yeah. I guess
1: because I guess he wasn't at Quad Studios when it happened. I don't know. Yeah. And like, you know, but I mean, well, they had their own shit going on because like, of Kadada.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. She loved Tupac but hates some LL. Niggas forgot about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, guys. Tori, the historian, baby. I'm she,
0: gonna give it to y'all. She was with, yeah. She was with LL and Pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I think Who Shot, ya, Who Shot Ya? is an incredible song. It's just. I mean, it's just it was out already. Like it just that it was a B side. Mm-hmm. It
1: was. It, it's not like it was hidden. It's just that like okay, he started performing it a little bit more.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he started saying it with his chest more. And it was like, all right, nigga, I, I really got shot and yeah. performing is now. It just looked crazy. Right.
1: Um, and then, you know, like I said, uh just, like this the song just playing
0: mm-hmm.
1: is fucking brilliant. Yeah. And I think that that speaks more to like his sense of humor, like Richard Pryor, um, Rudy Ray Moore, um, even Eddie Murphy, like it it, it just spoke to like his sense of humor. And that's the thing that's like and also like impressive to me about Biggie, right? Like He's this 6'4", 300 plus pound fat guy that's like also like like on one hand like really rugged and like street and hood but then also like really educated and elegant and worldly but then he's also mad funny. Mm-hmm. So he's all these things wrapped up into one and he's a sex symbol.
0: Yeah.
1: Like he think dresses, about that. Dressed Yo, really well. Yeah. And I think that came from like Puff working with Heavy D at Uptown mm-hmm. because like you know he was the heavyweight, the overweight lover, mm-hmm. and I think like Puff saw how to do that. He was like, "Yo, like, big only Biggie ain't going to dance and all that shit." But like, he figured out how to really market that and sell it, and like do something like that was like really, really, really brilliant with Big. And I, I gotta tip my hat off to Puff. Like, yo, like you, like you and your him and his team like really did that because like I'm pretty sure Biggie was okay with just like the grimy shit and like Puff was of like, oh no, like we gonna like flip it and like. Because the, gr- you... the
0: grimy shit was what was in at that
1: time. He yeah. was like, yo, we really gonna like flip it. And like, there's like stories of like um, Biggie always making fun of Puff because like Puff would like dance to like try to get them like hype to like see like what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, it's um it's funny because it's like Puff thinking like, yo, like I'm the man, like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna make you dance. And like Biggie and his friends from Brooklyn, like, yo, look at this clown ass dude right here. Just dancing and shit, like making moves and like just wanting to like sample songs that was like like sample songs that like are like what hits in the 80s and 70s. And there's like Puff just had like a formula and the idea to things.
0: Yeah.
1: And he just knew like, yo, this if this was already hitting the radio, it's familiar to people. Like it's going to chart. Mm-hmm. I just need you to kill this song. And it was kind of like snaky on Puff's part, but still like. You know, like
0: <laughs> right. yeah, what he it had was to a, do. Yeah, it was
1: a brilliant business plan. I
0: think also a song like Respect was ahead of his time. It was um, with Diana King. Um, yes, that, that sample, that sample was amazing. Mm-hmm. That production, Diddy and Polk produced it. Yeah, it was incredible.
1: I think that I think that um, and they, they, I forgot which doc. There's so many Biggie documentaries. but I think that Big was going to tap into his Jamaican roots at one point. Yeah. Um and probably like make a, a like make a distant relatives album like Gnostics.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> probably
1: better, but you know.
0: Yeah, I, I could I could definitely see that for him because he fully embraced that side of himself. Yeah. Um and also which one didn't we talk about? I want to talk about.
1: Was it Suicidal so- Thoughts? Suicidal Thoughts. Perfect Man. outro. because per- that's technically the outro yes. if you don't add on who shot you and yeah. um just playing. Suicidal thoughts is the perfect outro because it, it it's the ending to the play. He mm-hmm.
0: Kills himself. Yeah,
1: and I just thought it was cool because like I love
0: I love it when Puff is on anything, mm-hmm. and like Puff is just like
1: Yo Big Yo, Yo Big. Big Nah
0: Man. <laughs> the nigga really I think in the making of this, from what I remember, he really like kicked some shit over in the um in the studio mm-hmm. to like really give it that effect of him falling. Yeah, um, yeah, so. It, it, this just plays out. This really is the final act. It's such a big... Yeah. It's such a big way to go.
1: Yeah. And I think that that was kind of like, um, let's, um, all right, so, uh, what is it called? Uh, there's a movie that's like really iconic and at the end of the movie, um, the, the main character says, look, mom, on top of the world and then he dies and it's, I think it's called uh, Something Kane. Um, I'm going to tell you right now because I walk past it every day when I go to set for, Um for uh, Law and order. for Law and Order, yeah, it's like it's like this iconic movie, um, and it's and it's something Kane, Mayor Kane or something like that, like, and like I think that like Biggie was kind of inspired by that because like Biggie was really it's a movie, it's called Citizen Kane, and at the end of the movie he says, "Look, Mom, I'm on top of the world," and he dies, ah. and I think like Biggie got that. Got that idea from it, and then it's also in Juice. They also talk about it in Juice. What year was that? This this movie came out years ago, nineteen forty one. Okay, it's like, but so in Juice, like Tupac is watching it too, mm-hmm. and like it, there's a scene with at the, at the oh end. when they're
0: all in the living yeah. room, mm-hmm. and he's like, yo, that's how you go out, or yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay, so
1: instead of seeing, like this, the ending of this album is very reminiscent of that to me.
0: Okay,
1: and so like I'm like, you know, because you got to think about like to us, like a movie that came out nineteen forty one is mad old, yeah. but to them. It's, like, us watching a movie maybe from, like, the 70s. So, for, you know, for them. So, I think that Citizen Kane was a movie that, like, a lot of, like, younger men watched. Mm-hmm. And, like, saw that and was like, yo, he went on, like, a fucking G. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what Biggie... I, that This is just me, like, assuming. Like, there's no truth to that. But, like, when... Because I watched the movie and, and like, to see, like, what it's about, I'm like, it's eerily similar.
0: hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could... I, yeah, it wouldn't be far-fetched to think that he pulled some inspo from there. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay, so we have reached a portion where I would want you to give your overall thoughts of on, this rise, album. Man, this is fucking no-brainer, man.
1: This it's classic. It's 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Flawless. Mm-hmm. Um, Easy Mo B like, killed it. And then the other producers, um, The Hitman, Tone, um, DJ Premier, like, they all brought something to the table. Big's Lyricism, the... Him be like, you know, I love a cohesive album. Yeah, like it's just something that like he did with this project that to me, like I I I I'm one of those people, right? Where I really, really, really love Elmatic, mm-hmm. but sometimes I really, it really make it's hard for me to like say that Elmatic is the best album in 1994. Ready to Die came out that same year. Mm. It's very hard for me to like really like take that in. I just think that like what Elmatic it was kind con- it w- because it came out first. That's why Elmatic is praised, and that's the only thing that Elmatic has on Ready to Die is that Elmatic came out first. Yeah, it's not that it's better. It's not that like he reinvented the wheel because like they both you know did the thing with multiple producers and everything like yeah. that. They both There's were a, these child prodigies. Like
0: it gets Elmatic gets a lot of praise too because he was so fucking young. Right, he was so he was, young, yeah, he and like that's the that's the unbelievable part to it. That's mm-hmm. the wow to it. All the big albums have a wow. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, Fifty got shot nine times. That's his story. Mm-hmm. Got shot nine times. He got dropped by Columbia. Now he's up, up because mm-hmm. he's with Eminem and Trey. There's a right. wow, you know. Um, and this has a wow too. You know, this is. It's a big debut fucking album, right? It has everything on here. Yeah, it
1: just, it just this album delivered. I just think that um, you know, it, it was like a lot of people say that, and it's funny, right? Because people say that like because of the chronic, like the West Coast was just killing because like they was coming out so hard, but in '94, like um, a lot of like there wasn't. Like, Tupac wasn't screaming out West Coast at this time yet. Mm-hmm. But, like, they were saying, like, damn, like, the like the East Coast is dying. But it wasn't because of the West Coast yet. It was because at that time, like, Run DMC, like, all of the, the the leaders of hip-hop were dying out and, and new rappers were emerging. And, like, they just, we just weren't sure, like, where everything was going. And Nas and Biggie, like, kind of, like, came up and, like, it was so quick. Like, because before that, it was always, like, you know, uh, Rakim... KRS-One, Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, you know, like, those guys, like, holding, like, up the, the flag, like, the mantle for, like, who's the best, right? And then, like, they don't put out projects anymore. Like, they become, like, you know, they they, they become less heralded. Mm-hmm. And then we get this kid Nas, child prodigy. Then mm-hmm. we get Christopher Wallace, McCoy's B.I.G., puts out a fucking motion picture. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking crazy. Like, I'm just, like, I like I, like, like I really, I hope to God nobody ever makes me choose between those two albums. I'll never make that a topic, because I don't ever want to have to choose between the both of them. But, like, um, I can make an argument for both of them. And Madigan, de- yeah, Ready to Die? Yeah. yeah. But I definitely think that, like, Biggie definitely deserved the title of King of New York.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think he did, too. Yeah. Was there ever a time frame that Nas was a king of New York? That's what I'm, I mean. I I guess from
1: uh, April of '94 until until August 31st, <laughs> until August 31st of '94, yeah. And then Biggie came. Then Biggie dropped in September, and that was all she wrote, man. Damn. Like hmm. I just think that like Nas had it, and you know his reign on top was short, like Leprechauns. You know, like it just happened like that, and I just I don't I think that like. um People didn't look at Nas and think New York, like they, they thought of Nas as like a great rapper, but I, like the
0: face of New York, Biggie. Yeah, and uh, and to be the face of New York, that coincides with King of New York. Yep.
1: I just don't think that like people gave him that, but you you agree? Classic five. Classic,
0: yes. This is this is an absolute classic. Five out of five. You got some. You got big singles on here. You got um, the album is just so big that even the quote unquote B sides, people know them by heart um the storytelling incredible the production incredible this album delivers on all fronts and then you got one you have one feature on here which is method man Mm -hmm. and and it delivers show stiller yeah so um yeah five out of five man um i don't know if there's anybody that's watching this that um that hasn't even heard this album yet i would say what the fuck are you doing yeah Um, you need to listen to it. I think it's an essential hip-hop masterpiece. I agree. I'm First Class Reg. I'm Tori B. We out of here,
1: y'all. Catch you guys next time. Give me your fucking
0: money! (laughs) Dun-dun.